So last month being October, we talked about bats and spiders. So now, since we're into November, it only seems fitting to talk about a critter that goes with November. That's right, it's time to talk turkey. <laughs> Wild turkey, that is. Turkeys are an upland ground bird native to North America. They're a member of the diverse order of birds known collectively as galliformes, which includes chickens, quails, pheasants, and grouse. Not only that, but they're the heaviest member of this order, and as we all know, they are mighty tasty, deep fried or stuffed and roasted. Just don't forget the cranberry sauce on the side. But did you know that by the 1930s, we had almost lost the wild version of this Thanksgiving staple? But we didn't, and that's something to be thankful for. So as we head into the Thanksgiving season, let's shine our species spotlight on the wild turkey. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, and this is the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. I want to start out today by busting a myth right off the bat. A common turkey-related myth is that our founding father, Ben Franklin, advocated for the turkey over the bald eagle as the symbol for America. Now, while Mr. Franklin was both a fan of the turkey and not terribly impressed with the bald eagle, he did not, in fact, push for the turkey as our national symbol. The origin of this myth comes from a letter Franklin wrote to his daughter expressing his disapproval of the Society of the Cincinnati, a hereditary society founded in 1783, which had adopted the bald eagle as its symbol after the seal of the United States. Franklin is making a joke based on the society's symbol looking more like a turkey than an eagle. So he wasn't rebuking the seal of the United States, but rather the insignia of this society of the Cincinnati. But joking aside, he is sincere in his opinion of both birds. Regarding the bald eagle, he wrote, for my own part, I wish that the bald eagle had not been chosen as the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. You may have seen him perched on some dead tree where, too lazy to fish for himself, he watches the labor of the fishing hawk. And when that diligent bird has at length taken a fish and is bearing it to his nest for the support of his mate and young ones, the bald eagle pursues him and takes it from him. He goes on to say, Besides, he is a rank coward. The little kingbird, not bigger than a sparrow, attacks him boldly and drives him out of the district. He is therefore by no means a proper emblem for the brave and honest Cincinnati of America who have driven all the kingbirds from our country. The fishing hawk Franklin refers to is the osprey, which bald eagles frequently steal fish from. Turning to the turkey, Franklin says, for in truth, the turkey is in comparison a much more respectable bird, and withal a true original native of America. Eagles have been found in all countries, but the turkey was peculiar to ours. He is besides, though a little vain and silly, a bird of courage, and would not hesitate to attack a grenadier of the British guards who should presume to invade his farmyard with a red coat on. So let's take a closer look at Franklin's bird of courage. Which was named first, the bird or the country of Turkey? Survey says, the country. And the bird actually gets its name from the country. But this whole thing was actually a big mistake. 
Long before coming to America, the English began to import a tasty bird, which we now know as a helmeted guinea fowl, which comes from Madagascar. It was imported to Europe through merchants in Turkey, so the English believed these birds were also Turkish. When the Spanish arrived in the New World, they, quote, discovered, unquote, the wild turkey. And it was also delicious, so they started importing it back to Europe. Europeans thought it tasted just like this turkey guinea fowl that they had been enjoying, so they called it the same thing. But like Franklin stated, wild turkeys are uniquely North American. In the wild, an adult male turkey, which is called a tom or sometimes a gobbler, averages about 17 pounds, and a female, called a hen, just like a chicken, averages around nine and a half. According to the National Wild Turkey Federation, turkeys weighing over 30 pounds are uncommon, but the record size for a wild tom is just over 37 pounds. Domestic turkeys are generally a lot bigger than their wild cousins, but this is only because we humans have bred them that way for our own benefit. If you've ever seen a wild turkey, you know that they're beautiful birds, the males in particular. I think we're so used to seeing domestic turkeys or frozen turkeys plucked and ready to eat that we don't give too much thought to the plumage of the wild turkey. Their feathers are generally dark with white stripes, but the feathers of an adult male can have areas of red, purple, green, copper, bronze, and gold iridescence. And there are a lot of feathers on a turkey. An adult turkey sports somewhere in the neighborhood of about 5,500 feathers. Size differences aside, unless the males are displaying their large fan-shaped tails, males with their tails folded and females look fairly similar. Toms that have their tails down can usually be identified by what is called their beard, although bearded hens are not entirely unknown. Now, unlike my magnificent beard, a Tom's beard grows not from its face, but on its chest. Turkey beards are a form of specialized bristle-like feathers called phyloplumes that grow from a follicle on the chest. All beards are unique. Some are fat, some are scraggly, and some toms even have multiple beards. Beards grow longer and often thicker as the bird matures. Young male turkeys, which are called jakes, have beards that are only a few inches long, while older males may have a beard that measures well over a foot. Adult wild turkeys have reddish-yellow or grayish-green legs and feet with three toes facing forward and one facing back. Their feet are pretty big. The middle toe measures about three and a half inches long for a fully grown adult. Toms also have a spur on the back of their legs, which is used sometimes for fighting other males or for defense against predators. Hens have a feathered head, but toms have a featherless reddish-blue head and a red throat and wattles. Which brings us to the two trivia words of the week, caruncles and snood. Caruncles are the fleshy growths that cover a tom's head. The major caruncles are found on the lower part of the tom's neck. In the springtime, when old tom goes a-courting, these become engorged with blood and turn a bright red. The snood generally appears as a small cone-shaped bump on the crown of the tom's head, just above the beak. Ah, but when the tom's passions are aroused, the snood also becomes engorged with blood and may quickly grow several inches hanging down over the tom's beak. Generally speaking, the longer the snood, the more attractive the tom is to a hen. Apparently among turkeys, snood size matters. Male turkeys are polygamous, mating with as many females as possible. 
During the mating season, March to April, you can see them displaying for the hens, spreading out their tails, puffing out their feathers, and dragging their wings. Although toms will sometimes fight over access to hens, they often court in groups, and interestingly, studies have shown that toms courting alongside at least one other male on average fathered six more eggs than a solitary tom. After mating, the hen will search for a nest site, usually just a shallow dirt depression engulfed in woody vegetation. She lays a clutch of between 10 and 14 eggs and incubates them for 28 days. Turkey chicks, or poults, are precocial, which is a fancy word that means they can feed themselves almost immediately, and generally leave the nest, accompanied by mom, within 24 hours. When we lived in Nebraska, we had a pair of hens with 18 poults between them that would visit our backyard almost daily in the summer. With their powerful legs, wild turkeys are capable of running up to 25 miles an hour, but many people are surprised to learn that turkeys can fly. Now, domestic turkeys have been bred to be too heavy to fly, but wild turkeys are actually fast and agile flyers, at least for short distances. Turkeys fly fairly low to the ground and usually average about 100 yards, although they can fly up to about a quarter of a mile. In those short flights, they can reach speeds up to 55 miles per hour. Their preferred habitat is hardwood and mixed conifer hardwood forests with scattered openings like pastures, fields, orchards, and seasonal marshes. But they can adapt to virtually any dense native plant community, just as long as coverage and openings are widely available. They forage on the ground during the day, but roost in trees at night or to escape danger. And I can tell you from experience that few things in the forest are quite as startling as a hen and a bunch of poults bursting up unexpectedly from the underbrush. Like other birds in the order Galliformes, turkeys are omnivores. They prefer nuts like acorns, berries, and insects. I mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast that turkeys are one of those species that benefit greatly from periodic cicada emergences, feasting on cicadas on the ground at the end of their life cycle. They have excellent eyesight during the day, three times better than humans, and they can see in color. They often forage in the early morning or late afternoon. Occasionally, turkeys are known to forage alongside deer and squirrels, and there's some evidence that they even play together. By foraging together, each species helps the others watch for danger with their different senses, deer with their sense of smell, turkey with their excellent eyesight, and squirrels providing an extra lookout from above. Maybe the most distinctive feature of a turkey is its gobble. A turkey's gobble can be heard up to a mile away. But in addition to gobbling, turkeys make a variety of vocalizations, including clucks, putts, purrs, yelps, whines, cackles, and kikis. In the spring during mating season, toms will gobble to announce their presence to females and competing males. Males also produce a low-pitched drumming sound produced by the movement of air in the air sac in the chest, similar to the booming of a prairie chicken, and sometimes a sound called a spit produced by a sharp expulsion of air from this sac. Hens also gobble, but more sparingly, and they will yelp to let males know their location. When the first Europeans arrived on the shores of America, there were millions of turkeys to be found. They ranged from as far north as Canada 
all the way down to Mexico. However, in spite of their vast numbers and association with the Thanksgiving holiday, we know from historical records that they may not have been on the menu at the first Thanksgiving feast. Although, the pilgrims were known to have hunted them in 1621. Accounts from the time tell us that the Wamapanag, I hope I pronounced that right, brought deer, and the English supplied wild fowl, but these were most likely ducks and geese. Alexander Hamilton brought turkey to the head of the Thanksgiving table when he remarked that, quote, No citizen of the U.S. shall refrain from turkey on Thanksgiving Day, unquote. And even then, Hamilton died in 1804, and Thanksgiving would not be an official holiday for another almost 60 years when President Lincoln declared it a national holiday in 1863. But our love of eating turkey was almost the wild turkey's undoing. In spite of numbering in the millions at the time of the pilgrims, by 1930, habitat loss and hunting had reduced that number to around 30,000, and by 1940, they had been extirpated from Canada and only existed in isolated pockets in the United States. Early attempts to reintroduce turkey into suitable habitat failed miserably. These attempts used hand-raised birds that had imprinted on humans and were unable to survive in the wild. Instead, game managers worked to protect and encourage the breeding of wild populations. Surplus birds were caught and relocated to suitable, unoccupied territory. This approach proved much more successful, and by 1973, the population had grown to 1.3 million. It is now estimated that there are around 7 million wild turkeys in the United States. So I just want to finish this episode by sharing some other turkey-related, though not necessarily wild turkey-related, trivia of interest. First, Thanksgiving leftovers, turkey in particular, was the inspiration behind the TV dinner. In 1953, an overzealous buyer for the Swanson Company ordered way too many turkeys, about 10 train cars or 260 tons too many. A salesman by the name of Gary Thomas solved this massive problem by ordering 5,000 aluminum trays and setting up an assembly line of workers to scoop dressing, peas, and sweet potatoes into the compartments. Slices of turkeys rounded out the meal, which Swanson then sold for 98 cents apiece. The idea was a hit, and the following year, 10 million turkey TV dinners were sold. In the 1970s, if you were having trouble with your turkey dinner, you could call up renowned chef Julia Childs at home for advice. Even at the height of her fame, Miss Childs refused to remove her phone number from public listing. According to some of her friends, complete strangers would call Childs on Thanksgiving to ask for advice on cooking the perfect turkey. Julia always answered the phone and typically told callers what they needed to hear to get them to relax and enjoy the holiday. She told many an amateur cook not to worry. Turkey was best served cold anyways. Lastly, we turn to that most famous of all seven-foot-tall yellow birds. Yes, I'm talking about Big Bird of Sesame Street fame. What does Big Bird have to do with Thanksgiving? Well, technically, Big Bird is a canary, a seven-foot-tall canary. But his plumage? That's all turkey. Big Bird's costume is made of several thousand turkey tail feathers. And only the best will do. The costume is partially assembled by a company called American and Fancy Feather, and they say that Sesame Street rejects about 90% of the feathers that are selected. Those turkey feathers keep Big Bird looking soft and fluffy. 
Well, Wild Wanderers, that's all the turkey I have for you today. I would like to say that I'm thankful for all of you who have listened and supported this podcast. If you're interested in supporting future episodes, please consider checking out our Patreon page and becoming a patron. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. There's some pretty cool merchandise that comes with three months of paid patronage. You can also find more fun pictures and nature facts on our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok accounts. Just search for Dispatches from the Forest. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, reminding you to go outside and get dirty. Don't you be a turkey. The Dispatches from the Forest podcast is a production of Dispatches from the Forest and may not be used or rebroadcast whole or in part without express written permission.